It all comes down to this. After months of debates, campaign stops, insults, and, dare we say, fake news from both sides, Election Day is here. Millions have already cast their ballots in a presidential election that might not be determined for sure until days after the polls close on November 3rd. We'll take a look at all of those things and more on this special Election Day edition. This is the Words with Wizards podcast, your look at the world through the lens of West Warwick High School. It's where we talk to interesting people, visit cool places, and sometimes hit on a big story. And at the end of it all, you'll learn a little more about what's going on in the land of the orange and black. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi there, and welcome to the show. This is episode 11, and today is Monday, November 2nd, 2020. I'm your host, Eric White, a media broadcasting teacher here at the high school, and we've got a great show for you today. Tomorrow, millions of people will head to the polls to choose a president. Former Vice President Joe Biden and sitting President Donald Trump have been trading barbs for longer than most people in their right minds want to listen. And there are many questions left to be answered, like, if the president loses, will he leave willingly? Are mail-in ballots that big of a deal? And has there ever been a president more divisive than the current one? The answer to that might surprise you. And what about the guy who was president for a day? I had a chance to sit down with Mark LeBlanc, the chairperson of the school's social studies department, to talk about presidential election history and a few other things. And stay tuned in right here after the interview for mock election results from West Warwick High School students who voted online Friday for president, U.S. senator, and on the ballot question to change the state's name. But right now... Let's talk politics. Thank you very much for for coming up to the Broadcast Palace. No, it's my pleasure. (laughs) Happy to be here. Thank you. So, in your opinion, has there ever been a presidential election as anticipated as this one? Well, I think this one is truly going to be... Uh, a special election and a lot of people are anticipating uh, this election. Um, A lot of people are excited to participate, which is a a good thing to see. Um, But I think in the past there have been a lot of other elections, and you really don't have to go back that far. If you look at 2008, I think 2008 with uh, Barack Obama's first term, the first African-American president, I think there was a lot of anticipation for that one. Yep. I think even the last election with with Hillary Clinton, I think there was a lot of anticipation that we'd have our first woman president. So... You know, every election, you know, when it occurs is the most important election in, of our lifetime. And I, I think there's a lot of anticipation in almost every election. Um, but I think there's a lot of anxiety over the direction that our country is heading in a lot of people's views. And I think that um, increases the anxiety that people have in, um, in wanting to participate um, in the, the election election process. And I think the, the fact with COVID and, you know, the, the way that people are now casting the ballot through mail or, or now even in person where you see, um, you know, as, as of, you know, yesterday, a lot of the states opened up in-person voting and you have people lined up for, for miles, uh, you know, willing to participate in the process. And I think that in itself is a positive aspect of this election. Um, but, you know, I, I can see why a lot of people are uh, nervous and apprehensive about uh, what's going to happen and, 
and there's a lot of anxiety over this election. So we go back, we look at the other 44 presidents. There've been there've been some interesting characters, to say the least. Oh yeah. Do you think that Donald Trump is the most polarizing president ever? So he's clearly a polarizing president, um, but he's the the most polarizing president ever. And you know, in my opinion, absolutely not. I mean, you know, we look back to uh, throughout history, and we see a lot of polarizing presidents. Um, you know, we see Thomas Jefferson when he ran against John Adams. You know, going to completely change the direction of the country. Andrew Jackson certainly a, a polarizing president. Um, Harry Truman was a polarizing president. Um, but I think the most polarizing president um, was actually one of the presidents that most people refer to as the greatest president, which is Abraham Lincoln. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, um, he was elected without receiving one electoral vote from the southern states. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his election is what led South Carolina to break away or try to break away from the United States and, and really caused a civil war. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think you get more polarizing than Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, um, as far as as far as causing a country to revolt into civil war. Yeah, if you're going to go, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And if you're going by the definition of what polarizing Correct. is, the country splits in two, and the guy only had five days where the country was technically unified Correct. underneath yeah, him so, before I mean, he got shot. So you talk about polarization. I think with with Trump, and I think uh, you know, particularly in, in the the last few presidents that we've had, you know, with the development yeah. of social media. Yeah. I think that is is made um, uh, both sides more polarized, and so I think what happens is everybody has an opinion. Those opinions are heard. Um, people uh, tend to argue with one another. They their opinions um, tend to be fortified through the algorithms in the social media. So you tend to only hear the things that you agree with, which makes you more polarized. Um, and I think that's one of the problems. Uh, with our society today and the problems that people have with the polarization um, of, of our political process. And add to that Trump's attitudes and, and some of the things that he's said in the past and, and how they've been taken um, by both sides. Uh, and I, I think that, that kind of leads to the, the increasing polarization of our, of our democracy. We'd like to recognize a couple of sponsors for the media broadcasting and journalism pathway at the high school. Gold Star Retirement and Insurance and Alex Smith. When your family buys insurance through Gold Star, you help build a sustainable resource for Rhode Island educators. The Gold Star team delivers. Everybody deserves peace of mind. Contact Alex Smith at alex.smith at horaceman.com. That's H-O-R-A-C-E-M-A-N-N dot com. And the Arctic Playhouse, located at 117 Washington Street in West Warwick. Links to both businesses are at the bottom of the YouTube version of this podcast. Now, back to the show. No matter what happens on November 3rd, one thing, it, it, let's say if you're not a fan of Trump and he gets voted out, or if you're a fan of Trump and he, gets, he wins re-election, I think there is something that neither side can ignore, and that is we've got big, a big problem in this country. We've got many problems in this country, but we've got uh, really deeper divisions, I think, than we ever thought. And I think it was great that uh, Obama was elected, but I think it lulled a lot of people into a false sense of security, thinking that we didn't, that we had a black president, therefore racial issues were getting better. Oh, absolutely. I think that, that there's no question as, as far as that goes. Um, 
you know, I, I think it, it brought out um, a lot of animosity in, in a lot of people. And I, you know, I just think that that kind of led us down the wrong path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great thing to happen, but I think a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of white people, uh, you know, were thinking, oh, well, hey, we have a black president. Uh, you know, things are much better. <laughs> you know, just right. check check the race relations off the list. We're all set. Right. And we're not even close. Correct. Uh, let's uh, go to the Supreme Court. Now, there's some uh, sure. really historic, there's a lot of historic things going on here uh, with with this president. What is your take on the Supreme Court nomination hearings being held so close to the election? Well, here's the thing. Constitutionally, um, they're within their rights to do so. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of hypocrisy, I think, that, that is, un, you know, unfolded in the last, uh, last few months. Um, but constitutionally, they're allowed to do so. And I think even although the fact that um, the Republicans blocked uh, Merritt Gollin from, from being um, – appointed to the court once again they were constitution within the rights to do so um so it's unusual and you've probably heard the vice presidential um uh, during the vice presidential debate uh senator harris brought up the fact that you know abraham lincoln um you know had the opportunity to appoint uh, a candidate to the court 27 days before the election he decided to wait um and i think a lot of people think that that would be the more prudent thing to do um, but I mean, it is within the rules. They're, you know, they're justified in doing so. Um, personally, I think that they should wait. But you know, they they have the right to do that. So therefore, they they can do it. I think yeah. if the Democrats were in, in the the same situation, they'd do the same exact thing. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. And they are. There's it, it's there's a precedent. Correct. But there there's no rule right. that says you can't do this. Do you think that by the time he is done, be it uh, January of uh, this coming year or January 2025. Will President Trump have changed the presidency? Well, I think he will have changed some aspects of the presidency. So, for example, the way that a president communicates with people, you know, using social media, using Twitter, I think that's something that's probably going to be around. And I think people will get better at, at using that as a tool to connect with the with the voters. So I think that aspect... Um, definitely changed the presidency. Um, some of the things that he has done that a lot of people may look at as being not so great, um, like a- appointing people in temporary positions and things like that, developing a cabinet really without senatorial approval. Mm. I think a lot of people um, would look at that as kind of being underhanded. I don't think that aspect um, will change the president. As a matter of fact, I think what's going to happen if he does lose or uh, when eventually the Democrats uh, will take over because eventually we'll take over either this year or uh, upcoming elections in, in the, the White House and yeah. in the, um, the Congress. I, I think what's going to happen is they're going to kind of change some of the rules and change some of the things that President Trump has been able to get away with. I think things like the emoluments clause, which if people don't know what that is, um, the fact that you can still own a business and make money um, from that business while you're president. So I know... Um, like a lot of his hotels and a lot of his clubs have been used for political purposes. Yes. I think things like that, um, I think they're going to kind of rewrite the rules to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so some things will change. Um, it'll, they'll change, you know, some of the, the, the things that, that he's done that a lot of people may look at as being negative. But I think some of the tools that he's used to make himself more popular, I think other politicians will naturally gravitate towards uh, those things. And mm-hmm. and I think I think those will become part of the the tradition of the the president 
Yeah. From here on out. As every every president puts their own mark and changes the office Correct. a little bit. So let's go into into some history. Sure. There, there have been 45 people who've held the presidency, or have there been? Uh, can you go into some instances in which uh, a person we might not know of, uh, or the general public might not know of, has held the powers of the president for just even a short time? Well, so first of all, you know, when you say the, the 45 president, you know, Trump is the 45th president, but there's actually, you know, uh, Grover Cleveland was president twice, so he actually counts for 22 and 24. That's right. So you could actually argue that there was 44 presidents. Yes. However, you could actually argue that there's still been 45 presidents, and I think this is what you're getting with. Mm. Um, there was a man who was actually president for a day. Uh, most people do not know this. His name is uh, David Rice Actinson. And um, he was the uh, he was a senator from Missouri, and he was the president pro tempore of um, the Senate in 1849. And so the uh, the story goes that the election of 1849, Zachary Taylor was elected president, and Zachary Taylor was a a, a very religious man, and didn't believe that uh, you would work on Sundays. It was God's day, so therefore he would he refused to do any official official business. Well. Back then, the presidential inauguration took place on March 4th. So March 4th, 1849, uh, fell on a Sunday. And because it fell on a Sunday, Zachary Taylor refused to um, be sworn in as president of the United States because it was a religious day. Yeah. Well, when that day comes, when inauguration day comes, it's crystal clear in the, co- in the Constitution that the, the former president, who at the time was Polk, um, James Polk, um, his, his term was over. And back then, you always swore the president in before the vice president. Well, today we actually do the opposite. The vice president is actually sworn in before the president. But back then, um, the president had to be sworn in before a vice president. So you had on March 4th, you had, uh, 1849, you had the, the outgoing president, the term had, had expired. Yep. The vice president couldn't have been sworn in before the president. The president wasn't going to um, take the oath because it was a religious day. And back then, before the 25th Amendment, the secession of power went from president to vice president to president pro tempore of the Senate, who at the time was David Atchison. Uh, so not Speaker of the House. So not Speaker of the House, right. Yeah. So it was, they flip-flopped that with the 25th Amendment. Gotcha. And they set up the whole process of all the cabinet members. So David Atchison was technically president for the day. So he Was became, he sworn in? And he, well, he wasn't sworn in, but because no one was sworn in, he took over the reins as president of the of the the United States for one day until the following day at noon when Zachary Taylor was actually sworn in. So Atchison was president for a day, technically. I guess he was like the 11th, you know, like Polk was the 11th, Taylor was the 12th, so it was like 11 and a half, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, That's so interesting. For, for a brief phone brief day, and uh, so people always want to know what he did on that day being president. What would you do if you were president for a day? And yeah. uh, truth be told, he basically just kind of, Stayed at home and napped pretty much for most of the day. So <laughs> didn't really do much, but he yeah. was president uh, president for a day. And like I said earlier, um, Grover Cleveland was actually 22nd and 24th president. So. Yeah. yeah, the only non-consecutive. Correct, yeah. Let me jump to sure. the mail ballots, okay? Sure. Uh, they, were, they were doing mail ballots. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a, a, uh, Even uh, after, uh, as far back as the Civil War, they were right. mailing That's ballots. where they started, right. Yeah. For the soldiers on, on the front, they would... Send their ballots back. Yeah. And so mail-in ballots, they've been done for many years. Have they ever been the subject of this much scrutiny before that you can remember? Oh, never. I mean, I don't think most people even thought twice about it. The idea that 
you could send a, a ballot through the mail, and you know the the U.S. Postal Service would make sure it was delivered on time, and your vote would count. And you know, you hear a lot of um, talk about like, people messing with the ballots and what have you. But I mean, realistically, that's never really happened, and you know, to to a great ex- extent. There's a couple minor things here and there yeah. that may have happened. A few ballots may have um, gotten lost, or uh, but it's never been really widespread. It's never been a way to um, to kind of cheat the system. Yeah. Um, there's there's yeah. a lot of checks and balances in the whole process um, yeah. for mail-in ballots. So I don't think it's really that big of an issue. It's never really been a big issue. I think it's become more of a red herring today than than really yeah. it needs to be. Uh, the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. Should it go? That's a good question. Um, you know, there, there are pluses and minuses to Electoral College. So you can look at it, you know, being a small state like Rhode Island, um, you could actually argue that the Electoral College helps us. Um, if you compare Rhode Island to California, uh, we have four electoral votes in the electoral process, yeah. and California has 55. Yeah. So it's about a 13 to 1 differential. Um, if you went by population, California has about 35, 36 million people. And we're about a million. And we have about a million. So it's like a 35, 36 to 1. Uh, so in a, in a case like that, you could argue that um, the Electoral College – you know, actually helps a small state like Rhode Island or, yeah. you know, Wyoming yeah. or, or any any state that's not really heavily populated. Yeah. And it protects people from politicians just pandering to the cities, Yeah, which I think is, is um, one of the fears that people have in getting rid of the Electoral College. The flip side of that is you have a system where you have people living in states that are traditionally one party or the other. So a state like Wyoming, yeah. if you're a Democrat voting in Wyoming um, – Realistically, your vote's not going to count in the presidential election. If you're a Republican in California, yeah, same same scenario. So yep. you have states where that tradition going to vote one way or another, and your vote doesn't really matter. And a lot of people say, well, that's disenfranchising people from from having a say in the the, the election. And so a lot of people would argue for a popular vote, and that would um, that would eliminate that. So if you had a a popular vote election. It didn't matter if you were Republican in California or a Democrat in Wyoming. Your vote is going to count. Yeah. And so a lot of people are in favor of that. Um, there's actually a third option that, that we have, which is kind of like a hybrid of the two. And some states actually have it. Maine has it and Nebraska has it. Um, keep in mind, the Electoral College is something that's controlled by the states. Yeah. And so the states can really do whatever they want as far as who gets the votes. Yes. And so a state like Nebraska, what they do is they have Nebraska divided into its congressional districts. And in, within that congressional district, you know, um, you vote and whoever wins that district gets that one electoral vote. And then whoever wins the state as a whole will receive the other two votes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, yeah. some states do it that way. Um, personally, I think that's probably a better way. It's almost like a hybrid way Yeah, where you can look at uh, someone who is in like a, a, a traditionally um, Democratic area in a Republican state, you know, if your congressional district – tends to be more Democrat, then your vote would, would count. Yeah. You know, so I think that's probably a better way to do it. Yeah. Where you look, you're still looking at, at at each individual district having a vote. The popular vote will still count because whoever wins that state will get the remaining two votes. Yeah. And I think it, it would more evenly distribute um, the votes as to what the people actually want. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't seriously considered that, mm-hmm. but that would keep the the balance for small states uh, a little more in our favor and you somebody could come into rhode island you know theoretically and and grab two of the four electoral votes and the other candidate could grab the other two so it's instead of it being a winner take all 
uh, which is just easier to count if you're not great at math like right. me. You know? <laughs> but well, so what states have it? Maine, do, do Maine does Maine that has it and Nebraska. Those Maine are the two Nebraska. right now that, that have it. You know, there's been, there's been um, talk about maybe states um, changing their electoral slates to whoever wins the national popular vote gets the, the, the state's entire slate. So, I mean, there's that as well. So, yeah. it, it, you know, that, that would prevent something like what's happened a couple times in the past few elections where you have someone who's actually won the the popular vote nationwide, but actually lost the Electoral College. Yeah, it used to be, you know, very rare, but now we've had it happen twice in the past 20 years, yeah. uh, really. So on Friday, October 30th, Mr. LeBlanc sent out a mock election ballot to all of the students in the school. It's about a 1,000 people. And we have the results right here. They'll be announced on the morning show on the day after the election. But if you are a listener to my show, you're getting the results right now. Just one of the many benefits of listening. Okay, first, on the changing of the state's name, taking out Providence Plantations, 74.9% of the students at West Warwick High School voted to get rid of that name. Only 25.1% voted to leave it as it is. The House of Representatives every two years is up, and the person who represents our district of the state is James Langevin. And according to the of 310 mock voters at West Warwick High School, Langevin would win 61.4% of the vote. And for Senator, Senator Jack Reed represents the whole state, as all U.S. Senators do. Every state gets two. They're not up during the same year in this state. Jack Reed was going against uh, Alan Waters, a Republican who was challenging the incumbent for his seat. Jack Reed wins comfortably in the eyes of West Warwick High School, 63% to 33%. And now, the the big one, the big kahuna. 309 people of the 310 actually voted on this one. 54% of West Warwick High School students choose Joseph Biden as the next president of the United States. Donald Trump got almost 36%, 35.9% of the vote. Other people getting right in votes? Post Malone? Kanye West got a few. Jimmy Hoffa, he's dead, so he can't serve, but he got one. Somebody put themselves in there, just as myself. I don't know if that would count, because you have to put your name in there. No one also got some votes. It's always pretty interesting who people write in. And next week, we'll wrap up election coverage with a look at some students who worked the polls on Election Day. Thanks for tuning in. The music for the podcast, including the opening and closing theme and the music in between segments, comes from Wii Video. I also use Twisted Wave to produce the show, which is a product of the media broadcasting and journalism pathway at West Warwick High School. If you're a student listening to this and are interested in learning more about radio, TV, and journalism, then you can contact your guidance counselor. Also, more information is below on the YouTube version of this show. And you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify. The Pathway and shows like this are not possible without your support. Part of being a sponsor is that you and your business can get exposure on this and other Pathway broadcasts. Funding goes toward the purchase of new equipment, student scholarships, and professional development. You can find more information on the sponsorships, which are tax-deductible, at the bottom of the YouTube version of this podcast. 
And on that note, I'd like to thank Gold Star Retirement and Insurance and the Arctic Playhouse for their continued support. That's it for us this week. Stay safe and stay informed. Thank you.